We got our ass kicked. People what they want to see. Shut the F up for life. What the f- is that? Welcome in, everybody. This is the Philly Experience Podcast, along with Tyre Hood, Tanner Gil Martin. My name is Max Gretzula. We know it's hard. Uh, guys, so much to get into today. Sixers last night against the Lakers. Of course, Joel Embiid's just on a different level right now so far this Woo! season amazing to watch i think we all know that um we also want to touch on two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it rogers and brady uh both of their futures currently uncertain one with playing and the other one with his destination of choice of course after that we want to get into the conference playoffs this weekend i don't know how they can really top what happened last weekend with the bills chiefs game but they're going to try 49ers rams of course in the nfc that should be a good one and bengals chiefs in the afc so a ton to get into today we want to roll with the Sixers to open it up because, as we mentioned last week, we want to give them their due time. Uh, weren't able to get get in too much with them last week. So let's start off with Joel Embiid. Big-time season for Embiid. Like, that's a given. But for you guys, uh, the playoffs, obviously, right now, six seed coming up. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. That's a big topic of discussion. Uh, when you talk about Embiid, what the Sixers need to do. Are you on the patient end of things with the possibility of getting James Harden in the offseason? Or do you think, hey, we can't continue to waste Embiid's prime? I mean, he's been so great this season. What side are you guys on? Man, Max, this is the second season in a row where Joel Embiid is having an MVP type of year. This is the second damn season in a row. You can't continue to be patient with a big man who has who's, has the amount of injuries and the amount of issues that Joel Embiid has. And this, this long approach that Daryl Morey has taken, apparently rumor, rumor has it that, you know, James Harden may become available via free agency in the off season. And that that's when the 76ers are going to jump on him because Brooklyn's not willing to trade for him. You're taking a long approach and you're also wasting another MVP like year from Embiid. I mean, how many years? I mean, and we've talked about this. How many years do you honestly think Embiid is going to be able to play at this level? You're getting peak Embiid. You're you're getting a big man that is redefining the center position. You cannot tell me that throughout the history of the NBA, I'm talking about guys that just started watching the NBA to people that's been watching the NBA since its beginning and Will Chamberlain. There's no big man that has done the things that Joel Embiid has done on that court. Not in, 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 probably there's not going to be an, an, another center that's going to be able to do the things that he does ever again. So with all that being said, the, the upper management taking their sweet time and, and and taking the long approach to getting a championship out of this out of out of the Sixers team, it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's unnecessary and it's unacceptable. I mean, at this point, you have to. You, we're gonna. I guess we're gonna get into it a little later, but you have to do something at the trade deadline. Something needs to be done. The team constructed right now is the same team that was basically constructed last year, minus Ben Simmons, and they didn't make it to. They didn't make it out of the second round of the playoffs. This team is not going to make it past the second round in the playoffs. And I'm being generous the way they've been playing this year up and down and Tobias Harris's inconsistency. You're not going to get positive res- the, the positive result that you want from this season, unless you make trades at the deadline playing the long game is stupid. Make some trades. I definitely agree with T with just not wanting to wait 
because I go back to last year and how incredible Embiid played. And we were all vouching for MVP, but he missed those games at the end that really decided it. I did not think he was going to play even better this season, definitely after his injury and and everything without Simmons. I did not think he was going to play to the, to near this level that he's playing. And right now, I I do think that he's going to be able to keep it up for maybe the regular season. He'll miss a couple games here and there. But what I don't want the Sixers to do is wait until after the season's over and then hope that he plays like this yet again for a third straight season. Because who knows what kind of shape this team will be in at the end of the season. Will Ben Simmons play in postseason? Probably not. You're having him sit on the bench uh, with, you know, wasting away money both on both sides now. Why not make the move now? Get those players. It doesn't have to be the biggest blockbuster trade ever, which I don't even think there's going to be a trade at this point the way Maury is. But if there is, you get those players in the scheme, in this, in the offense, figuring out game plan just in time to get ready for the playoffs so they can make a push farther than they went last season. Maybe they fill in those holes. It's more of a balanced team, not one player wanting the ball. And then when there's a big opportunity, passing it away, you're able to build on what they currently have. And Tobias Harris has been picking up play lately, finally. I mean, this is something that we needed to see as fans from him. You go 23 points in this last game, 33 in the game before. But, I mean, his play hasn't been consistent enough where maybe he's not even on the Sixers next season. Then you have to deal with that hole too. So what I want is the Sixers to act now. And unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I, uh, I'm for me, I think I can be patient here and wait for James Harden in the offseason. And I only say that to you. I know you're on the other side of this, but I only say that because I don't know if Buddy Heald and a Halliburton deal, for example, is going to be able to push you to winning the Eastern Conference. Like, say they do make that trade and say Halliburton and Buddy Heald and a first round pick come to Philly, say, you know, Danny Green's gone and Simmons is gone. So you're left with Halliburton, Seth Curry. I mean, it's a good core of players, but is it going to be able to push you past the Bucks or the Nets, in my opinion? And I I agree with you, Max. I, I, I do agree with your sentiment. It, it The issue for me is like like we keep discussing, Daryl Morey trying to take the, the long-term approach and trying to play this Ben Simmons thing out. I mean, damn it, you got to do something. You cannot continue to let this problem fester, and you cannot continue – to allow your team to suffer at the hands of what the hell is going on. You can't do it. Damn it. Just, and I understand. I, I understand from, from a manager, a manager standpoint of view, you don't want to get 20 cents on a dollar for a player that you feel as though you can get, you know, high value from. I completely understand all that. However, given all of that, this, first off, we've discussed this. Ben Simmons don't have that type of value anyway. He really doesn't. He's what He got exposed last year in the playoffs for the type of player that he was, all right? Not to mention the fact that this year, with the antics and everything that and all the drama that's been going on throughout this entire season, like, let's be honest here, most teams aren't going to really want to give up their best to deal with that type of, type of nonsense. So 
at this point, you've got to do something. You've got to help this team out in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Like at the, like a lot of people are saying that you should trade Tobias Harris. I, I'm personally on the opposite end of that. I feel so if you traded Tobias Harris, you know, like as you just said, you're going to have to fill that hole. Who else is going to be a number two scorer? There's no number two scorer on this squad right now. So now you're leaving Embiid on an island. So I think right now, Tobias Harris, you really can't touch or move. So at this point, the only trade asset that you have is Ben Simmons. Damn it, you got to do something. You're wasting away a second MVP year from Embiid. This can't continue so, to happen. Let me let me get so I got this story here, RocketsWire.com on, on the internet. It says James Harden reportedly preferred living in Houston to Brooklyn. Now, does it not to say that he hates Brooklyn? I think it's been reported that he hates the current situation there with Kyrie Irving only playing half the games. Right. Uh, I think the whole Brooklyn deal um, living wise is not Brooklyn itself. Um, this article says that he just doesn't like the climate one and who can blame him really Texas compared to New York. Um, and also the taxes, um, the tax differential compared to the two States as well. So I, I don't know if it's, I hate living in Brooklyn as one of Brooklyn Nets, or I hate living in Brooklyn for other reasons that are more personal. So I don't want to speculate too much, but he says, of course, comes out in the daily news. I deny these comments, blah, blah. Of course, he doesn't want to, you know, hurt the front office ties with the Brooklyn Nets. But if I can get a player like James Harden next offseason and get rid of Ben Simmons in a trade for James Harden, and I know people will say, oh, it's going to be his age 33 season. Will he still be able to play at that same high level? He doesn't take care of his body as well as he probably should. But, I mean, he's a top five, top seven player in the NBA when he's healthy. Right now he's healthy. And I think if you can get Harden and Embiid paired together, I think you got a legit shot to win an NBA championship. And people might look too big of a picture when they say, hey, I want to win two championships. I want to win three championships. But I think right now, after all this process years, if the Sixers can just get one title out of all this mess over the past 10 plus years, I think we all would take that right now. I just don't think Tobias Harris, to you mentioned, I think he's fine as a number three. I don't want to really trade him. The only reason I would is to really move that contract if you can't get a big fish like a James Harden or uh, at one point we even thought of Zach Levine, but it looks like the Bulls are just playing at an extremely high level right now, so he's probably staying put. Yeah. But I just don't want to – I don't want to get rid of a Simmons asset, trade him away, and I'm left with what, you know, Buddy Heald and Halliburton or – a three team deal where it's worked out with some other group of players that are good and young, but can they really push you beyond the bucks or the nets? I think that's where I stand right now. Now, Max to what you just what, said, go ahead, Tanner. What I'm thinking right now is that if the Sixers do pull the trigger and they, they go ahead and they get James Harden, you are now without those first round picks without a young Ben Simmons all right, it's more of a win-now situation, and, and you dire, the Sixers direly need to win now because their future then is their future of the process and building up that youth now is they are two steps back behind. You bring in a 33-year-old James Harden, and Bede's 27 already. Tobias Harris, we don't know if he would be on the team. He's 29. You have, what, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Matisse Thibel, guys uh, of that youth, but can you really build a roster when guys like Embiid and James Harden are not on the team anymore? Because you are out, once again, you're out those first round picks. You have to wait. And what I'd say in like six draft classes, start deciding uh, guys that you're going to draft then. So it pushes everything 
back if this does not work out for the Sixers. Either way, if the Sixers become a championship team, they don't have as great of picks. And I think this whole thing is pushing it back. And I think the Sixers should get not the best player ever in this trade, but the best players at the youngest age. What about the picks, though? The picks, to me, are kind of meaningless. Like, I get, like we just drafted Jaden Springer. You know, the Sixers took Springer, and I haven't. he's in the G League. I haven't heard of him one bit. So, like, do you really value the first-round picks that highly? Even We're going to be good. It's not like we're going to get a high first-round pick. See, I don't value these first-round I mean, picks anyway because they can't fucking draft. I think that's one of the main that, – I think that's – Hey, Tyrese Maxey was a pretty good pick. Yeah, yeah, right. That's what I was just going to say. That's one out of how many, though. That's really one out of how many. If we really go back and we think about what got us in this this situation in the first place, we go back to the process years, all right? Out of Embiid and Simmons. But this is different, T. It's Daryl Morey's here now. You are correct, but the the organization is still making mistakes. Max just pointed it out. Where the hell is Springer? Hell, oh, I'll give you another one. Where the hell is Zaire Smith at? Crickets. That's my point. Not to mention the fact that you drafted Miles Bridges and then you traded him away to the Phoenix Suns. Who, by the way, are championship contenders. But I digress. I want to talk, see, I want to talk about Tyrese Maxey real quick. All right. He's averaging 35 minutes per game uh, in place of Ben Simmons this season. So he's taking on an incredible workload and he's only 21 years old in his Three. second season. He's playing 35 minutes a night. That's incredible. He's shooting 41% from three point land, which I think is. Just tremendous considering last season he was at 30%. So that's 10 points higher percentage wise from beyond the arc. And when you talk about his free throw percentage, he's at an 87% from the free throw line and he's averaging 17 points a game. So when you talk about Tyrese Maxey, I want to kind of highlight him real quick because it's going to be big on the trust factor of not only Maury in the front office, but can fans as well. When we sit here and talk about, can you trust Maxey who one was inconsistent in his first year, but has taken not only like one step forward, he's taken two, three steps forward in his second year. Is he just a guy you talk about as a scorer uh, and maybe continue to improve in his three-point percentages? Or is he somebody you can say, hey, this kid can legitimately run an offense? Or do you just look at him as, hey, he's a scorer, he's a good young role player, but the offense is still obviously going to roll through Harden if we get him or Embiid? I think it's a like how much stock you put in Maxi right now, I guess, is the question. Do you can, is this guy gonna be part of the future? Is he gonna be at the helm of these point guard position for years to come? I think it's a I think it's a combination of both, honestly. I think he definitely like you said, he definitely has stepped up to the plate in terms of scoring. And also, um, in the beginning of the season, we were debated we debated this whether or not he would be an assist guy or not. I think most of us said that we that he really was an assist guy, but he started yeah. to step up on that as well. So five assists per game. Five assists per game. So he's growing. Like he's growing literally right before our eyes, and and I think that he he is a he is a key factor in this entire thing. But it's another reason why I say you're you're wasting these seat, you're wasting a season away if you don't do something about this Ben Simmons situation. Something has to be done. A trade has to be made. Are the players better from last year, Tyrese, including Tyrese Maxey? Yes. However, you're one less. You're down one player via Ben Simmons. And you still have the same roster from last year. So you didn't go, you didn't get out of the second round last year. And you still got this Ben Simmons situation. You got to trade. You got to trade for some players. You've got to bring some players back here. Danny Green ain't shit. Ain't worth shit right now. 
between his injuries and his inconsistent, inconsistent shooting. All right. Matisse Thibault has basically taken over his job. You need to bring some players up in there, especially to fill out that bench. Last year you traded for George Hill. And that didn't really equate out to anything spectacular. So you could argue it equated to a negative result too. Honestly. Yeah. You can't argue that. So you, you need to trade for somebody. You got two weeks about, yeah, you got about two weeks before the trade deadline. Darren morning. Darren Moore needs to do something. He cannot just, he cannot just sit on his hands and his ass and not do anything. Let me ask you this question, Tate. Harden owed $47 million next season. It's his last year on his four-year $171 million contract. He's an unrestricted free agent at the age of 34 in 2023. So basically what you're doing, if you were to trade for Harden, you would have to have some sort of restructure to work out an extension of that contract because you don't, you're not just going to trade for one-year rental if you were to trade for James Harden. I think if you can get some sort of agreement there on one end and Harden does want to come here and play with Embiid like the rumors are saying, at least some of them are, I would definitely be able to wait out another year because I think that Maxi's improvement, not only as somebody who's able to score, but I think that three-point percentage is key for me because Harden, not only can he score, he can facilitate and run kind of that point guard position as well. Only question is then, what do you do with like a Seth Curry, somebody who plays primarily the two-guard position? I don't think I would want to bring Maxi off the bench, especially the way he's playing. But Seth Curry, in his opinion, in my, for me, he probably doesn't want to come off the bench either. So then you would have to work around, hey, Maxi, Harden, if you get him, and Curry, I don't know if you're playing all three of them on the same floor at the same time is a good combination to work with because they're all undersized. Um, but I don't know if that's something that you guys would work with. I hear you trying to play the patient game, Max, but the issue is at the end of the day, the main factor in all of this is the health of Joel Embiid. You cannot take that for granted. You cannot take for granted these seasons that we have seen thus far. You can't. And what you are doing in terms of what you want to do in terms of agreeing with Daryl Morey and the organization and trying to take the long approach to this, you're betting house money. And sometimes that doesn't always fall in your favor. And in this case, right, but I'm, what I'm saying is if you do this trade for a, for a good amount of very young, talented role players right. and you don't win the title and your Simmons asset is gone and be the last thing we want, I hate to say it. What if Embiid says, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm not winning a title here. I'm gone. I mean, I, the way Embiid's attitude is, I, I, I think that's the farthest thing from it. I think you've seen the, the asshole that has that mentality, but I don't think that's the last thing you need to worry about from Joel Embiid. If anything, he wants to win a championship here. Hell, he loves the damn city. He loves the fact he he has embraced Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, I think he is Philadelphia. To be honest with you, that's how much he's embraced the damn city. <laughs> he's the entire he's the entire city. But Max, back to what you were saying about whether all these guys are going to be on the same page with if you bring in James Harden, our guys coming off the bench. I have enough belief in Joel Embiid that he is a good enough leader from what we've seen. Um, published in papers from what his teammates have said about him that he would be able to convince guys like Seth Curry to stay on the team, maybe take a smaller role. Um, Seth Curry, 31 years old. I, I think that might be able to be manageable. He is a big enough leader where of course rookies or younger guys are going to listen to what he says too, like Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid for the most part has been a team player his career here he understands the assignment he knows that you know he he did back up ben simmons he un he was trying to get him back with the team trying to visit him ben simmons wasn't budging 
then he gave up. But at first, he did try to resolve this the uh, the situation, but it did not work. So he said, you know what? The weight's on my shoulders, hopefully for not that long. Um, and he's just been playing lights out. And it's incredible how he's taken over. I mean, he was already the role, but he's taken over the entire team, even coaching. And he's just proved that he's that guy. He just needs he just needs help. So yeah. you're saying you would make a trade for like a Halliburton or a Heald is what you're saying this this season. At least that's something. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really looking at the, the waiting approach. I would rather a move right now so they can build around that move. But if, if the Sixers do decide to wait, which it, that's, that's, us, that's where it's pointing right now, for James Harden, I would hope that Embiid would be able to rally the troops and, and say, listen, guys, this is our year. We need to get you know, we need to be in that gym 24 seven. We need to be working because this is it for, for a lot of guys. And this is the year that we need to get everything together. Uh, and I would hope that James Harden and Embiid would be able to, to sort of that relationship would be good. And they would have that entire off season to work. Now with these guys coming in now, before the trade deadline, if that happens, there is a little less time to get to know each other because then they, they go right out there, they hit the court. But that's also a, a good way before the postseason to sort of get used to your teammates. Joel Embiid averaging a career high in assists and a career high in points. He's averaging 28.9 points per game, super impressive, um, and 4.3 assists. Um, his, his previous career high, 3.7, but that was back in 2018-2019, so... I think we all agree here as we transition to to the Lakers matchup specifically that the, a move needs to be done, whether it be the patient approach, whether it be the I want to win now approach. Um, and, I, and believe me, I do want to win now. But if we can get Harden, a bigger fish in the offseason, I'm not opposed to it. But Absolutely. I want to move on here and I want to talk about this game last night. So uh, the Sixers, one of the best records in the NBA since Christmas. That's basically the Embiid stats. I've just soared through the roof since that day. And. Uh, another big time victory last night. No LeBron, of course, in Philadelphia. He was out. Um, so I'm sure the fans didn't appreciate that too much. But when you talk about what happened with the fans and it's about damn time. Off the camera, um, Carmelo Anthony getting into it with some fans courtside. And before we dive any deeper, we all would just want to say we don't know what was said. I think that's key for this whole discussion. We have no idea what was said between the fans and Carmelo Anthony. Um, Ian Eagle on the broadcast last night just kind of said, hey, you know, there was discussions and that was about it because <laughs> he was kind of sitting right there courtside and didn't really elaborate. So I think uh, for me, and, and and I'll give it to you guys, some things were said. We don't know what it was. Carmelo Anthony, I, I it, listen, I've tried to not be biased here because I'm not a huge Carmelo Anthony fan. Um, he's had, and there's been issues with the Sixers fans in the past. Like we talk about Isaiah Thomas and Russell Westbrook. Um it's it's very interesting both of the fans i think one or two fans got thrown out of the arena so t i'll go to you first with your reactions on last night's game and carmelo's antics i guess you could say so okay so i'm i've spoken about this a thousand times um on this platform i've spoken about this on wip and this isn't just a philadelphia thing this is a boston thing this like this is this has affected um, fan, this is a Utah thing. This is this is fans all throughout the world. I don't know where fans get off feeling as though because they purchase a ticket, 
They are allowed to say or do whatever the hell they feel like doing. And I don't like that mentality. I think that's a selfish mentality because at the end of the day, these athletes are humans and I don't want to hear that crap. Oh, well, we pay a salary. No, the hell you don't. What you pay in ticket sales. It's just a drop in the bucket for these guys. To be honest with you, you don't really, you don't really pay them. Not really. They come that, that money for the most part, it comes from TV contracts, TV contracts with the NBA. And sometimes even the team itself, but your money for the most part doesn't affect these players. But once again, no matter how much amount of money that you pay for a ticket, that doesn't give you the right to act like a complete and utter ass. It does not give you that right. And I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of these fans online calling these players soft and things of that nature, justifying their behavior. I'm sick of it. I, I truly am. You pay the ticket for it to be entertained. Those guys are out there for enter- to entertain you. Those guys put their bodies on the line day in and day out to entertain you. Not for you to show up and act like a complete and utter ass. I just had to get that off my chest because I'm, I'm, I'm sick of that rhetoric. Um, I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of seeing on social media, people calling players soft because they're doing these outrageous things. I'm sick of it. Grow up. Right. And there's a fan code of conduct. Yeah. Real for quick. A reason. I wanted to add this in, not to cut you off real quick. NBA central reports that NBA teams are prepared to ask the league to look into possible collusion between James Harden and the 76ers. Yeah, that is impressive. Oh, we will see what comes of that. But yeah, that go, is- go ahead, continue. Breaking news. But there is there's a fan conduct uh, for, for a reason. There's a policy for a reason. You walk in to – I mean, it's just like walking into someone's house. They have a set of rules. You have to follow them. Uh, you walk into a school. You have to follow those rules. However, I do think that both player and fan – and in most aspects, not all, and I'll go into that after, but they equally have the right to chatter at one, one another, as long as it's, you know, not as many profanities, there's children at at these games and maybe, maybe a few comments back and forth. I I think that's fine for making the, if, I mean, these guys sitting courtside, they paid a lot of money for their seats. That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean they act like fools get drunk and just yell obscenities to to these players because these guys, I mean, they're they're people. They're playing for you. They're playing for all those people in, in the arena watching them. Uh, I I think that with that being said, I I do think that there's you know trash talk on both sides. Yeah, a lot to be said. Absolutely. But when it goes to crossing a line, like you look at Russell Westbrook. I believe what was it last season yeah. popcorn Couple poured on him. Yep. That's, that's, that's a line obviously. And Westbrook had every right to fight those security guards, go up there and confront that guy for pouring popcorn on him. And um, for the guy to be surprised, like, Oh, I don't know why he was acting like that. You poured pop. If someone poured popcorn on you, how would you be the same damn reaction? Um, but and and people bring up well i'm paying money and for these guys and that's the whole different can of worms uh whether it's true or not where the money's coming from 
that that should have no effect on how you act as a person uh, with your peers and, and and towards those guys on the court. I don't know what was said. I don't think really anyone knows officially what was said, except for maybe the people that said it. But and um, in this case, maybe Carmelo, who knows? Maybe it was a miscommunication. But if it really did offend him, he had the right to go confront those fans. And if it was bad enough, those fans were thrown out and they maybe deserve to be thrown out. Uh, it's really, there's really not much to say on specifics, but just as a total topic of just, if you're at the game, just enjoy yourself. Because if you start making yourself look like a fool, that's not really fun for you now, is it? I agree with you. I, I think uh, without diving too much into this, um, we've seen, I think with Philadelphia fans, that's why it, it gets looked at a little bit differently. You talk, mentioned the Russell Westbrook popcorn boring incident. We talked about the Russell Westbrook getting a double bird given to him back, I think in his OKC days. Well, yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas too. Isaiah Thomas yeah. as well, of course, going up into the crowd. Guy wanted a free frosty or whatnot. Uh, so there's definitely been a, a bigger light shown on the, these kind of incidents because the Sixer fans have kind of had, you know, multiple incidents where we, we've been, I guess, shown yes. more on television, on radio and things yeah. like that. Right. Uh, and social it's unfair. Media, it's huge. unfair. So, you know, you go into like, uh, for example, Boston. I mean, you, you don't hear too much going on with, you know, you can't name, like, we just talked about four incidents off the top of our head. You can't really talk about that with, you know, Memphis Grizzlies or like Orlando Magic teams of lesser, um, you know, prominence, I guess you right. could say. How about, how about Dallas and football? I mean, this is football, but the Cowboys with the trash throwing on the field and their quarterbacks standing up for those fans that were throwing trash on the field. And that didn't mean even that that wasn't even made a big uh, as big of a deal as it should have been. But the minute Philadelphia fans do something, oh my God, they are the worst. Santa Claus and all the other same rhetoric that we keep hearing time and time again. Dak Prescott also in his post game said, "Hey, credit to the fans for throwing those trash at the tra- throwing those beers and whatnot at the referees." So he later apologized, but I think either the moment comment at the end of the day, but that kind of leads me from one quarterback to two more that we want to mention. And uh, I know Tanner wants to start with his favorite player ever, Aaron Rodgers. Should I, should I put on um, a last right song real quick? <laughs> so, well, so the yeah. Aaron Rodgers story, Tanner, go ahead and roll with that. So, well, my, maybe my favorite player, not so my favorite person anymore, but <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, my favorite player, I, um, still, but I mean, this is very interesting because we were talking about in the off season in the last off season, Oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. And although I do think that that is still a possibility, I think he's got enough left in his tank to continue playing um, how he did last season, maybe not at, at an MVP type level, but I mean, that's two seasons in a row that he played like that. And he does not want to be a part of a rebuild. That's why we're talking about him moving on from the Green Bay Packers. It doesn't look likely that he will return. You have guys like Devontae Adams, who is going to be a free agent. His contract's up. And I think if he really sees the potential 
of succeeding somewhere else, he's going to go there and, and take that spot. A team that's a quarterback away, you fill Aaron Rodgers in that spot, and that team is automatically a championship contender. That's the team that he would decide to go with. And this might be surprising. It may not be, but this makes the most sense to me. A team that I think Aaron Rodgers should go to is not, not the Denver Broncos, which I, I know a team that, that's been talked about a lot. For me, it's the Cleveland Browns. I think what a perfect situation that would be for Aaron Rodgers and the Browns because they have a situation in Cleveland where they're not set on Baker Mayfield. This was his prove-it season. He did not prove as much. He now has that surgery, his future with Cleveland up in the air. They need a for-sure guy because you look at this team now. I mean, it's kind of like a Sixers situation where it's good right now, but it's not going to last forever the, the, with, with playing wise um that offensive line i believe they're top four in the league the browns are they are specifically fourth in passing um block pass block and so aaron and older aaron Rodgers would be protected by behind the line you have that great running back duo with kareem hunt nick chubb and the uh, opposite of the Packers who have like what negative 70 million cap space. Um, someone wants to look that up specifically. I know that the Browns have $28 million in cap that they can spend on because you look at the Browns, you're like, and the receiving core, not that great. You have Jarvis Landry, but you go ahead and you get a free agent wide receiver, maybe even Devonte Adams, bring him to Cleveland, pair him back up with, Aaron Rodgers, and you have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams on an already great Cleveland Browns roster. I, I okay, I see where you're pointing at. The Cleveland Browns would be, I, they would be an interesting team. Um, but there's another team that that automatically comes to my mind when I think about possible teams that Aaron Rodgers can go to. And as a matter of fact. It's also it also has something to do with the guy that's currently there now who's contemplating retiring, and that is Tom Brady. We don't like we he's been interviewed year after year about whether or not he's going to retire or not. I think this recent interview, he really talked about how you know um, his family in particular doesn't like the fact that at his age he gets hit a lot and things of this nature, and they kind of cringe at that at him getting hit now. And they're more worried about him than ever. And he said he takes that into consideration. I think it all, I think for me personally, I think it depends on what happens with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. If Tom Brady retires, I mean, who would be a better, who would be in a better spot than to slide right in to replace Tom Brady than Aaron Rodgers? An already built wide receiver core. All right, you still got a dynamic offensive line. You still have a good running game. You have a decent defense down there in Tampa Bay, not to mention the fact that division wise, they would, if he were to go be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers still being the top of that NFC South division, especially considering that Sean Payton retired this year. So the saints are really in, you know, really in limbo right now. Carolina Panthers ain't going nowhere no time soon, and the Atlanta Falcons ain't going nowhere anytime soon. So the so if Aaron Rodgers were to slide right on in, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still king of the NFC, kings of the NFC South. So 
those are things that I kind of look at. And then like you, like you mentioned Tanner and like, um, I know a couple of reports I mentioned, I think Devante is himself has mentioned that he wants to go wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. So now you get Mike Evans and Devonte Adams down there in Tampa Bay. Woo. Nah, nah. I like everything you said, T. I think <laughs> this is I like think you said though, Tanner. I mean, he's he's spot on. The Falcons suck. The Panthers suck. Sean Payton retires. The Saints are going to suck. I mean, it's a perfect situation if Brady retires. But if he doesn't, I can't see Rodgers going to Denver. I just feel like Denver didn't even make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like how Rodgers no. coming there with Adams Shore. That that's definitely going to leapfrog them into serious contention but he's still gonna have to go through justin herbert twice a year still gonna have to go through patrick mahomes twice a year in that same division division i personally think he's best suited going to san francisco the team that just beat him in the playoffs that's a good team i think if he's able to bring Devontae adams to san fran you have george kittle you have a great offensive line you have a great rushing attack with uh elijah mitchell who's really stepped forward this year you have a great defense you have a great offensive-minded head coach you have Devontae Adams. You have Brandon Ayuk. You have George Kittle, who I think I already mentioned, but I'll mention him again. You have Debo Samuel. I mean, the list goes on and on. I know he's competing in a tough division there with Matt Stafford and the Rams. But listen, the 49ers are literally in the NFC Championship game right now. If they had Aaron Rodgers this weekend against the Rams, they're going to the Super Bowl. So I think Rodgers would be best suited. Southern California, get out of that cold weather in Green Bay. In my opinion, the Packers win that game if it doesn't start snowing out of nowhere like crazy because uh, if you're in sunny Southern California, you're going to enjoy yourself. Ah, that's just an excuse. The reason reason I don't think, first off, T, I don't think the Bucs are going to work because we don't know if Brady's going to retire. Also, I mean, that's a lot of – look at those players' salaries. You talk about the Bucs wanting to bring back Godwin and paying guys like Mike Evans and – situations like that i just don't think that aaron Rodgers is going to follow behind tom brady like that that's why i think a team like the browns because a great story for the browns they finally made it back to the playoffs last year you look at the afc you say okay the bills and chiefs they show that they're really the power of the afc but you look at the cleveland browns in their last playoffs um against the chiefs and how close that game was you fill in Aaron Rodgers, and he, I mean, the Browns overcome the Chiefs, and maybe the Bills were already taken care of, and we don't know the situation. But you have, for Max, you have San Francisco, who sources say are pretty accepting of Jimmy Garoppolo now, the way he's played in the postseason, that they could give potentially really him another chance. Oh, no! He doesn't play great in the No, right. he really hasn't. Very inconsistent. Well... He's the in the NFC conference, like, the like thing, championship it's surprising game. because their defense, that offensive line is great, and they're doing it despite their terrible quarterback and yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. I agree with Max on this one. They are. I don't think Jimmy. people. I don't think people in San Francisco are looking at how bad Jimmy Garoppolo played. I think they're looking at how how he's led this team, whether it's because of Debo Samuel or not, and because of his injury to the NFC conference championship. I, I, I think that's what they're, they're looking at. But it's hard not to look at Jimmy Garoppolo in the issues that the 49ers have. I mean, the 49ers, they really are a, a perfectly built team, solid defense, solid offensive line, great tight end, got a great receiver, 
good running game, a hell of a play caller. They literally have everything and then some on that damn squad. The one thing they don't have is a consistent above average quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo ain't it. They are winning despite Jimmy Garoppolo. If you take Aaron Rodgers and put Rodgers in where Jimmy Garoppolo is right now, they're automatically unlikely situation. Super Bowl is all I'm saying. I mean, that's it. That's the one thing they're missing. They're missing a good stud superstar quarterback. They got everything else. That just doesn't make sense to me because you look in Cleveland where they're like, all right, I mean, we didn't make it to the playoff. I mean, this is Baker Mayfield. He's got to be done in Cleveland. Like, we're not. This was his prove it year. He didn't prove it. Jimmy Garoppolo, he brought his team to the playoffs, to the conference playoffs. And, I mean, why would they go from a 30-year-old? I, I mean, this is this is different from 49ers in Cleveland because Baker Mayfield's a young quarterback. You're going from a young to an old. But Jimmy G, 30 years old, led his team to the playoffs. They seem to have all their pieces in place. They have that chemistry built now. And then you're going to go ahead and you're going to get Aaron Rodgers, who won't be as protected in San Francisco, by the way. Cleveland is a different story. San Francisco, they have aging players on defense, too, where it's like, where does Aaron Rodgers want to go in? He's, I'm sure he's going to look at all the numbers, all the guys on his team, ages, and figure out what's the best situation for him. I just really think that Cleveland is a better situation, and I know we're going to go around and around. I just, I mean, out of the 49ers or the Bucks, I definitely think the 49ers are more likely than the Buccaneers because of Tom Brady's situation and everything like that. It just, the Cleveland just makes the most sense to me. And I, I guess the fan, the people listening are going to have to Tanner. vote on the one or the three. Tanner. Here's my thing. Tanner, I'll make two you, points. The first point real quick. I'm going to make is okay, the ahead. NFC and staying in the NFC. Stay in the NFC. I don't want to play the Colts. Listen, the Colts, they may make the playoffs. They're a dangerous team. They got a good head coach and a good defense. That, no. The Chargers, the Chiefs. The Bills, the Patriots, the Titans, the Bengals, the list goes on and on. If you stay in the NFC, you got a Brady who's up in the air. You got the Cowboys who underachieve every year. Your only real competition is the Rams. And not the, not, not, let's all, you keep saying that. The Browns didn't even make the playoffs this year. Like the, it's the same situation as Denver. Denver didn't even make the playoffs. I'm still Cleveland stuck. didn't even make the playoffs. Like I'm why still, would Rodgers go to a team that didn't even make the playoffs? But I'm still stuck on the fact that 49ers fans aren't thinking about Jimmy Garoppolo. That's damn near impossible. This man has yet to throw a touchdown in the, in the postseason. This man has thrown two interceptions in the postseason. He's gotten sacked four times. Because he doesn't have to. They don't need they don't need a quarterback to do that, T. They already have a situation fixed. They have but Debo the- Samuel, who's both a running back and a wide receiver. He he it's more of a Ryan Tannehill role. But the in quarterback San Francisco. But the quarter- he doesn't need to air it out. They but, don't need Aaron Rodgers. But it's the quarterback that's gonna elevate that team. That's yeah. wanting. That's wanting Aaron Rodgers, not needing Aaron Rodgers. Cleveland needs a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they Rogers. need a quarterback. Back, which makes them less likely that they're gonna get right. in Rodgers because they need Hell, the San Francisco 49ers and the 49ers go on to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I I would not be surprised if the 49ers are favored with Rodgers at quarterback. Hell, let's hell, let's keep it local here. The Philadelphia Eagles, arguably, they need a quarterback. But guess what? All those rumors about Aaron Rodgers coming here are being shot down. He ain't coming to Philly. You can forget that. (laughs) Just say it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And listen, Tanner, you point out the ages of these older players. How many years does Rodgers have left? Hey, Rodgers, let's just team up in San Fran. 
win two or three Super Bowls right off into the sunset, and you know you go through a rebuild. Or two whatever. or three Super Bowls. Yeah, got, I don't know. Maybe got, we're. I think. I think we're all in fantasy land here. I really do. <laughs> um, I think we're gonna have to put a poll out on our Instagram. Yeah. Because um, we'll really, I mean, we might have to hit the sticks. We might have to play Madden twenty two after this <laughs> and really see which situation's the best. Hey, um, I want to finish but, off though. Let's finish off with, the, with this weekend though, because we we got we got deep into that conversation, of course, right. and uh, we have a couple. We have some time left, so let's go into these. It's only two games. You know, right. this isn't wild card weekend. You know, right. so this is. Conference weekend. First off, we'll go with the NFC, right. the 49ers, the team that Rodgers would propel Super Bowl <laughs> on the LA Rams. So who wants to start here? LA Rams, San Fran. It's gonna be in LA, but I don't really think it matters. I keep I keep predicting the downfall of the Los Angeles Rams, and they have surprisingly stepped up to the plate. But the one person that I predicted that would bring them down is Matthew Stafford. That's been the player who's been the difference maker on the Los Angeles Rams. He has been balling as of lately, these last couple games. And he is the reason why they are in the NFC conference championship. However, however, I, I still predict, I still don't trust Matthew Stafford. And this 49er squad just continues to find ways to win. Despite despite their average to below average quarterback. So with all that being said, I can't help but to look at the 49ers in this one. Right. And speaking about the 49ers, let me just get my last word in there. The Cleveland Browns have more to offer than the 49ers in a trade scenario, by the way. That is blasphemous. So going into the 49ers at the Rams, what is that, a 630 game? That's going to be an exciting game. And these are teams familiar with each other. Uh, really familiar with each other. Um, this could be two straight years of a team playing in their own stadium in the Super Bowl. So far, the Rams, if the Rams win. But this rivalry has been getting really intense. I know this game is at SoFi and the staff, the, the ticketing, um, they've made it so that your zip code has to be within the LA area to buy tickets. Wow. And uh, I'm trying to keep out San Francisco fans because I believe it was maybe like what weeks ago that Matt Stafford's wife was saying that he had to use a silent count even at SoFi with the loud 49ers fans worried about that That, that's strategizing off the field but going into the actual matchup two of Matt Stafford's worst games were against the 49ers where he had the most interceptions thrown and and Matt Stafford in the playoffs, he, he's he's been better. But he likes to throw the ball. He likes to put the ball in difficult situations, forcing the ball in spots where it's often turning into turnovers. But if when the weight is on Matt Stafford's shoulder and he has to throw the ball more, that's that's when he he starts. That's when the ball starts turning over. I think the weight is more on his shoulders than it is Garoppolo because Garoppolo and the 49ers offense, it's a run first offense. I mentioned Debo Samuel and how he's able to just, he's a wide receiver slash running back. And I think if the 49ers establish the run game, they're able to get past Aaron Donald somehow. I think the 49ers are in good shape to advance to the Super Bowl, but I'm banking on Matt Stafford playing better knowing that he is just one game away from reaching the Super Bowl. Jimmy G could also think the same way, that he wants to get back there and he wants to play better. And I, I'm i just, 
it's it's more on so which quarterback's going to play better. Uh, you look at the defenses in that, but I, I think if Matt Stafford has his head right in this game, it's going to be a close game, but I think the Rams can get it done. I want a quick shout out my boy Mark for watching. I appreciate you tuning in, brother. I think uh, one of the reasons why I'm picking the Browns to, or excuse me, picking, see, now you got me all screwed up, Tanner, with the Browns. I think one of the reasons I'm <laughs> picking Browns. the Rams to you. win this game is because Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to play well enough, and he's finally, his, his negatives are finally going to shine on the bright stage. And we're going to be thumb injury. About, yeah, see, and we're going to be talking about uh, Rogers' possibility going there uh, in the offseason. I had to get that last one. <laughs> <No. laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I think, listen, 49ers have a great team. Rams have a great team, two great teams. They played each other twice this year already, and the Rams have uh, struggled, like you mentioned. So I think this is where the, the better offense is going to win. I think the Rams are going to do enough. I think Cooper Cup's going to have another huge game like he's had all season long, and uh, the Rams are going to move on. All right. T, I know you're picking the 49ers here. Yeah. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be closer than the matchup we're about to talk about, and that's yeah. the Chiefs. At home against the against the Bengals. Now, Joe Burrow each and every week has continued to prove us wrong. A lot of people, uh, aka my friend Noah, who uh, makes a lot of wrong predictions sometimes, continues <laughs> to say, "Hey, uh, I'm going to pick the Raiders to beat Joe Burrow." Didn't happen. A lot of Don't people picked the Raiders to beat Joe Burrow. Didn't happen at home. A lot of people said, "Hey, King Henry's coming back in Tennessee. Give me the Titans at home on home field turf to beat the Bengals." Joe Burrow said, "No, that's not going to happen. I'm going to win again." So is this the week where the Bengals' dream season comes to an end, or are they going to pull off another miracle with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins? You can't cover all of them, T. Joe Mixon, you can't cover all of them. I agree with you. You can't cover all them weapons. And I have said this from I've I've said this from the beginning of the season that I said that the Bengals are the dark horse of the AFC, that they're going to turn heads, and now they're finally you know, turning heads, they're getting the attention that I always thought that they would, that I always thought they deserved. Kudos to them. The dream season does not continue. This is where it comes to an end. Listen, I agree with y'all. Joe Burrow, I, Joe Burrow he has done excellent thus far. All right, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, that entire Bengals squad, they have done outstanding standing thus far to get this far nobody thought they would get this far except for me of course but you know i digress however now you're dealing with the big dog in the afc you're dealing with the king of the afc you're dealing with patrick mahomes you're dealing with travis kelsey you're dealing with tyreek hill you're dealing with steve spagnolio steve spagnolio and that crazy defense of theirs that's been improving as of lately that the, and they love they love to terrorize young quarterbacks. This is where it ends, unfortunately. Got to pick the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, what an exciting matchup this is going to be, hopefully. Um, you have Joe Burrow, who just played lights out. Patrick Mahomes with that duel against Josh Allen. You could say that the Bengals are more rested than the Chiefs because of their earlier game and how Mahomes and the Chiefs went into overtime and Mahomes throwing for what? Just him and Josh Allen throwing for over what I believe was over 400, 300 yards and back and forth action. But I think experience is really going to show in this game more as much as I would like to see the Bengals go on and advance to the Super Bowl and how easier that would be to root for a team. 
I, I think Mahomes is going to get over, and I think this is going to be a continuing trend for years to come. I mean, Mahomes is – they're the new – the Chiefs and Mahomes are the new guys in the NFL. They're, they're the they've guys. Been, they've been now, is basically yeah. they've been yep. for a while. Right, think, uh, right. but it, it's more so – solidified that i mean after his performance with just 13 seconds left able to bring that chiefs back in that game going to overtime because of a coin they won game uh that whole different debate overtime rules but arguing for the bengals you could look at that january 2nd matchup where the bengals beat the chiefs joe burrow threw for i believe it was 446 45 46 yards four touchdowns patrick mahomes through for about 250 yards and two touchdowns, I think. And the secondary for Cincinnati really proved in that game. You go to this matchup, I believe Matthew is going to be back for the conference championship. He should be for the Chiefs secondary. If you look at both, yeah, you look at both Cincinnati and Kansas City. Uh, you look at the, I mean, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, that matchup or that, that duo is just dangerous in the air attack but then you go on the other side and you say all right uh Tyreek Hill Kelsey I mean you name it and I I just think that it's going to go to experience and Patrick Mahomes is going to have the upper hand I think I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game as well I think the Super Bowl is what we watched last week because I think the Bills are both better than the 49ers or the Rams whoever comes out on top in that one um and I think this is not going to be a real close game. I think the Chiefs are going to win this by double digits. Um, Mahomes is going to go in there. Listen, I think the Bills have a better defense than the Bengals, but it really, I feel like, doesn't matter who the Chiefs go up against these days on defense. The Bills yeah. had a good defense. They only really got blown up once. It was that Monday night football game uh, in that wind, the, the crazy wind in Buffalo where the, where the Patriots were able to win. But um, overall, once it gets this late into the season, you could argue, hey, the 49ers just had a great defensive effort. That's the reason they won the game in Green Bay. Or you could argue, hey, the Bills had a great defense, but it sure as hell didn't matter because Mahomes was just going to continue to score. So I'm not saying you can't win anymore in this league with a great defense. Absolutely. I still think you can, but you're going to have to have one hell of a group of players and depth as well on the defensive side of the ball. No yeah, T, what do the old heads say about defense? Defense wins championships, baby, and I still believe in that sentiment. Hell, it was def- it was a defensive play that basically won the Philadelphia Eagles their Super Bowl ring. So I still I still feel those door rings true. Well, I don't think it does ring true, and here's why: you have guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That's why. I mean, how are you going to stop that? The Bills had a good defense. You said that Steve Spagnola has those boys in Kansas City rolling. Each of those teams gave up thirty six plus points to the other opponent. Right. You're absolutely correct, but all it takes is one play, one stop. That's the difference between that Buffalo in that Buffalo Bills Kansas City Chiefs game. All right, it was one stop. Once the chance, once the Kansas City Chiefs figured out what the Bills were doing, stopped them from scoring. Then the Kansas City Chiefs started to score. All right, all you need a, is stop. Have a Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes argument here to close the show because I've been in discussions with people that I won't name in recent weeks saying Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. Josh Allen, 13, or excuse me, 15 interceptions this year. Patrick Mahomes, uh, 13 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen had 36 passing touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes had 37 passing touchdowns. And Patrick Mahomes also had about 700 more passing yards than Josh Allen. So that points to, hey, Mahomes is the better quarterback. But I didn't factor in the rushing. And I think that's what sets Mahomes 
back compared to Josh Allen is the rushing ability. Now, that's not to say Patrick Mahomes can't run the football because he did it so at a very high level against the Bills. But Josh Allen's just a different kind of man out there when he runs that football. I agree with you. Josh Allen does bring that extra element, that extra factor. And I think they they, they include that into the offense. The difference is, though, as much as I'm paying Patrick Mahomes, his ass ain't leaving that pocket. Keep your ass in that pocket and you th- and you throw the ball. All right, and you get down when necessary. You only run when necessary. I think that's the difference. They used to use Patrick, Andy Reid used to use Patrick Mahomes um, running style into the offense, but now with the development of his passing game, not to mention the fact that he's very expensive, uh, yeah, keep him in the pocket for as long as possible. But I, th- I, I still get the nod to Patrick Mahomes. Six rushing touchdowns for Allen this year, two for Mahomes. Tanner, where do you stand on this side of the argument? Now, listen, I think it really has to boil down to which each player has on their team and the schedule that they faced. If you're talking about stats and I have a question for you guys, if you were to change, if you were to put Josh Allen on the chiefs, would he then be a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? Do you think because without of Kelsey? Question. Ooh, without yeah. question. Listen, this is all out of this world kind of town. I get that. But you're also dealing with guys like, Hey, uh, Cole Beasley, your Dawson Knox who had a, had a couple of good games. Also, David had a game of his life. But if you have the fastest person on the planet playing in the NFL and the best type, right. I'll say this, top, and I might even be given too generous here or not generous enough, top five tight end all time in Travis Kelsey, then, yeah, of course. I mean, and, and one of the best head coaches ever in Andy Reid, I think not that Mahomes isn't great because he is, but if you put Josh Allen on the, on the uh, Kansas City, it's a whole different ballgame. Exactly, exactly. So then you have to look at, achievements and obviously Patrick Mahomes has more you look into years and experience too which I mean quite equally with the experience in a way where I mean Josh Allen has proven himself in his second year when it was his second year in play we met we talk about his rookie year and maybe how his throws were just off but you look at the progression same with Patrick Mahomes he was a guy on the bench we didn't know about and then he stepped into the game and and became the top quarterback of the league, right? Oh, it seemed like overnight. But I and I, I do think that because these players are so similar in, in performance, just by the way they performed in their matchup, it's a, it's definitely a, a debate. And I really like Josh Allen's quarterback. I, I think he's great. I think he's going to be around for a while, playing at that same level. But right now, if we're talking about, like I said, achievements, where they are team-wise, where they keep bringing their team, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. I can't deny that. I mean, the stats speak for itself. The victory, especially in itself as a whole over the Bills, it's hard to argue that because you say the better team won, the better quarterback won. But the better player, if I'm drafted right now and I have to pick a quarterback, I'm picking Josh Allen. And, yeah, of course I'm biased a little bit here because I like Josh Allen more than Patrick Mahomes. I was rooting for the Bills to win that game. But the rushing ability sets it apart for me, Josh Allen, compared to Patrick Mahomes. And the luck, luckily, we are – go ahead, go ahead, say something. <laughs> all say something. Listen. The I, rushing I, ability. <laughs> the rushing ability is what makes Josh Allen better than Patrick Mahomes. But it's the, it's rush, but it's the rushing ability that prevents uh, Patrick Mahomes from getting out of the pocket anymore because of how much he gets paid. Just remember, Patrick Mahomes was the same runner not Josh too Allen long ago. paid a billion dollars too. He's right. He probably right, will get the right. same but kind of But the question of was, the question was, hold on real quick. The question was, who's a better quarterback, not who would you rather build your team around? Right. I think Josh Allen has more skills than Mahomes does. 
Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not going to do- talk about arm strength. You can talk about talent. It's you got to factor. You guys aren't factoring in the rushing. You guys are. No, no, no. I, I listen. I, I like, I like Josh Allen. I'm just saying yes. if I were to pick, if I was forced to pick which quarterback is better, I would go with Patrick Mahomes, no matter how much I like Josh Allen. And I think he's really talented. And I think maybe next year he can prove that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes right now. I'm saying that Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback as much as I would go ahead and bring Josh Allen, Philadelphia, build a team around him. Hell I'm yeah. saying Patrick Mahomes is that better quarterback. Yeah. I think that's where I'm leaning towards. It's hard to make point. the argument. It's hard to make the argument for me the other way, because yeah. um, I think Josh Allen's better. And I get hundred percent that I probably in a minority here because, Hey, you look at it. See, Josh Allen just lost to Patrick Mahomes, right? The bills just lost. Um, and I can't, you know, deny that but again the question was who's the better quarterback right now and it's hard to argue uh, against Mahomes but I think a lot of factors have to be put into that with the team the coach the receivers and whatnot the weapons around it um, but we get to see this matchup for the next 10 plus years hopefully so the story is still yet to be told and on that note T let's shut it down yeah no problem you dumbass all right you guys missed any of this episode you can always go to Philly Dash Experience that's simplecast.com we are available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Club Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. That's a hell of a debate, though. Because you, really you really can't go wrong in your answer. You really can't. Definitely going to have to put those on polls on our Instagram story, so yeah. stay tuned, everyone. Yeah. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Give the people what they want to see. Take me out, coach. Surprise, mother.